You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Mike, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Frank. Glad to be here. I'm going to go ahead and just start with what you shared with me you feel is the biggest lesson from our conversation that'll help others most. I'm just going to read this verbatim. You said, your past does not define you, that you are a son or daughter of God, and when you listen and truly partner with God, he has got you. So take that leap of faith. Step into what he's calling you to do, and he will be right there with you. And watch as he blows your socks off. I love it. So Mike, please share some of your backstory and let's move into then an event that was really defining for you, a uh, major car accident. And then what happened after that, please? So I grew up in a pretty poor household, very abusive. At the age of 12, I was taken out of the home and put into foster care. And it was Christmas Eve of my of year 12. It was 1986. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and you know, I was living with my mother and my sister at that point. Long story short, police came to the house. They removed me and... I spent about a week in the hospital and then uh, a week with my grandparents and then I was moved into foster care. And that's pretty much where I stayed until I was cycled out of the system. How many different families were you with during that period? Yeah, it was interesting. I was actually blessed. You hear stories of, of foster kids when they go into foster care, they moved around a lot. I actually wound up at the same foster home uh, my entire seven years in foster care. Well, that's that's like miraculous, isn't it? It was a big blessing. My foster parents were Christians and they took in a lot of hard cases to say. We're the go-to place for youth and family services to bring kids. So it just, it wound up being an environment where, again, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, God even then was working. That's where he wanted me and, and that's where he kept me. Unlike a lot of kids, I'm on the, like I said, with the stability of at least being in the same home for the entire thing. When did you come to faith in Jesus. So we grew up Catholic when I lived with my regular parents. When I went to foster care, they were born again Christians. And one of the things of being there was we were required to go to church. And so that was really my first experience with God and getting to know God and actually church and was really involved in church up until I left. So after you left, did you wind up going to college or what was your path after that, Mike? You know, I'm like now with foster kids, it's like a lot. There was no programs or anything to help kids when they come out of foster care. So, you know, it was basically you had to pay for stuff for yourself. I had applied for a, a four-year grant program and they did not accept me into it. I was, they handed out seven full-ride scholarships. I was number eight. It was heartbreaking at the same time, but it was like, you know, okay, there's got to be a reason for this. So I wound up going to college for about a year financially after that, couldn't afford it. So I actually wound up coming out of college and got into landscaping. Okay. Now, did you start your own landscaping business eventually? I actually worked for a, a fantastic company out of Philadelphia. I actually started off as a, a $7 an hour laborer with them. So it gives you a, a context of how things were back then. Yeah. And it, it was great. You know, it was a, a situation where the owners of the company, it was a pretty big company, it was about $20 million a year company. They had uh, about six different offices, but the owners and my su- my direct supervisor out of the main office, I was in the central Pennsylvania office and they were in Philly. After about three months, promoted me to branch manager. Congratulations. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it was, it was great. I, I loved doing the work and it was, it was hard work and I didn't mind it. I was young and I was like, cool. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is fine. You know, and they gave me a company truck and a good paycheck. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was great because the heads of, of my division uh, was very big about pouring into people. So I had to go to Philadelphia every week for meetings. So it was, you know, when I went for meetings, he made me stay the whole day. And basically I would shadow him all day. So he gave me an opportunity to really learn not just the labor side of the business, but actually the business side of the business. So then you became a district manager. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Sir. So what happened after that? But the company itself was actually taken over or bought by a facility resource company that was buying up landscape companies, HVAC companies. And basically what they were building was a full service a services company. Mm-hmm. So they came in my last year there, put some things into place. My bosses that I've had such a great relationship with wound up leaving. So I was there and they had me driving, they canceled all of our flights that so we weren't allowed to fly anywhere. So basically I was driving all over the East coast, you know, measuring properties and doing all that stuff. And it wound up actually just being too much. I was probably, I think traveling like six, seven days a week. Wow. Oh, during that time, which, you know, at that point I was single, so I didn't mind it. But, you know, I, the breaking moment was when I broke down in the mountains of West Virginia. <laughs> and, and, you know, I had an old truck. They gave me an old truck to do it. I broke down and basically sat on the road overnight because uh, nobody could come out and get a hold of anybody. And at that point, I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't the situation for me. So I got offered a job in York, Pennsylvania to basically run the maintenance department of an old landscape company. So I wound up actually leaving the Philadelphia outfit working for somebody locally. So again, another great experience. Just got to, you know, get nitty gritty and get to know things and, and really get down to the trenches with things. What did this lead to, this job in the facilities area? That's actually what led to uh, becoming self-employed and starting my own business. You know, it was one of the things that I didn't um, care for there was they had a lot of their relatives working there and the relatives were treated differently than the regular employees were. Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, I, I had a division I was running that was probably doing after about two years, almost, I think it was 900,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of my compensation was year end bonus based off the profitability of my division. So the breaking point of that was when the other candidate said, Hey, we're not going to be able to pay you your bonus because we don't have the cash flow for it, so on and so forth. And, you know, it was a good chunk of change. It was basically my full year salary. But then I found out that his son-in-law who worked for the company who ran the landscape division, which is the actual install division, it did like $250,000 and he got a bonus bigger than I would have got. Wow. And, you know, but then he tried to talk to the owner and he basically told me, well, if you don't like it, you know, there's the door. And then we had a, a, a staff meeting that Tuesday. And one of the other landscape people, their wife's car got broken into and her purse stole out and it was by the speed mail. And one of the guys that had been there for a while, who was second in command, looks at me and he's like, Hey, do you want to call your relatives and tell them to get back the purse? Oh my gosh. And yeah, that was, that was the breaking point for me. That was it for me. I was like, okay, it's bad enough with the, with the nepotism, but then to have that racial aspect thrown into it. Uh, and I wound up turning in my resignation that day. And basically at that point, I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I left. About a week later, the, com- the customers I had done business with, there was a lot of commercial companies. You know, every CenturyLink telephone company was one of them, Kohl's department stores, Target. So when I left, they started calling the office looking for me. And when they couldn't get hold of me, they called me on my personal cell. They were like, hey, what's going on? And I told them, and they're like, well, where did we send the contracts? And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we'll we want to work with you. So go start a company and we'll send you work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it, it's interesting because I look back at times like that and I just see all the times that God really just stepped in. Yeah. Uh, at that point I was away from faith. I had sworn off of faith. I was like, you know, this is, I'm not doing this. I had, I had a bad experience 
after leaving foster care, which is God and religion, I was like, you know, I'm over it. But it's interesting, like now looking back to those times and just seeing all the times that God kind of just stepped in and just kind of directed me where I needed to go. So a week after that, you know, started the business and had almost $400,000 a year sales in two weeks. Incredible, Mike. Where did that lead you? So that led me to growing a business there. And that's pretty much what we did for probably until seven years ago when I had my car accident. What happened with the car accident? So it was actually, uh, we're getting ready for a snowstorm. Uh, we did snow removal back then and I was on my way home. One of the things I used to like to do to kind of rest myself and reset myself was to go to the shooting range and just shoot a little bit and calm down mm -hmm. uh, before snowstorms, kind of clear my head. I was very therapeutic. So I was on my way home. Some kid was texting while driving and not paying attention. And uh, a school bus was stopped in front of him. He, he wound up locking up his brakes, rearing over to my lane and hitting me head on. So it was, it was interesting, you know, looking back and, and you know, talking to the state troopers that were there for the accident and everything, because, you know, he was heading towards me. They said at the last second, my truck just veered a little bit to the left and he wound up hitting the front corner of the trunk, yeah. the passenger side, whipping around and then sideswiping me, knocking me off into a cornfield about 150 feet. Totally missed the school bus because up there they used to use uh, Dodge Caravan minivans as school buses. So to this day, I still remember how many kids were on the bus, the color of their hair. But they say when you know stuff like that happens, you get like that flash. So by the grace of God, none of the kids were hurt. I went into a cornfield, went up in a bank van, and there was a tractor trailer behind me that was between the two of us. Incredible. When they first got out of the truck, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then my arm had swelled up to about the size of my leg. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not flying. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted to get, you know, sitting there and then just, you know, police showed up, troopers showed up. It wasn't local police. It was all state troopers in that area. They found his gas can like a hundred feet down the road. That's how bad the impact was. Wow. Yeah. So at first I thought, you know, nothing was wrong with me, but wanted to go to the hospital. And after a couple of months found out that, you know, I had a fracture in the middle of my back. I heard a bunch of discs in my lower back and I actually wound up about 10 months later having surgery on my neck for disc replacement because I had three discs that had herniated and were cutting off my spinal cord. Oh man. I, I call it my two by four moment because again, you know, the troopers are telling me, you know, if you had hit him head on, you would have killed them. And it would have been killed by the truck behind you. They're like, you know, we've never seen a vehicle veered to the left in an accident. They're like years and years of data. You know, they said, you know, most people will turn to the right. And then that would have been a worse impact for you. Like for some reason you turn to the left. Why? And I'm like, I don't know. And that was my, my inkling of this was God telling me, okay, you've been messing around the last 20 years. You've got a purpose and a mission and you need to get right back on. So yeah, I went through the whole accident thing about three weeks after the accident. When I was mobile again, my wife and I started for a church to start going to. And that started the journey back to church and back to God. Not really back to God because he was always there. It was just me accepting the fact that, okay, it's here. It's better to do this with him than without him. What was it that you felt in your heart, Mike, after that accident? What was it that you started thinking about? What was it that shifted? You know, it was the fact of what the troopers were telling me about my truck moving and that they'd never seen that. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, as he was coming at me, I still remember this. I had locked my arms and I'm yelling. Please don't let me kill these kids. Please don't let me kill these kids. And that was honestly my, my first, after the accident, my first concern was the children on, because they were young. They were six, seven years old. And, you know, I, I remember saying to God, God, let me take the hit and let these kids be fine. And I basically shouted that out in the middle of the, the accident. And that's what prompted me to say, okay, God heard me. None of these kids were hurt. Yeah, I'm not in a great shape, but 
better me than a child who's six, seven years old knowing through this. Uh, and that was really the shift for me. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I, I told my wife, I said, I think we need to start going to church. Now. I need to get back to God. I said, and get, and get back on point as to what he's got me here for. Cause obviously there's a greater purpose for me. You know, I started looking back at all the instances in my life that I went through that I survived and where it showed up. Now, as you drew closer to the Lord and shifted everything in your life because of this accident, what happened going forward? There, there were struggles, obviously. You know, f- with the accident, I was laid up for about 10 months before they finally approved surgery. And so I had lost, they basically describe it as, you know, taking a garden hose and cutting off like 75% of the flow of water. And they said, that's what's happening with your brain to the rest of your body. So my body actually started shutting down. I had lost like 70% function on one of my lungs. I had lost about 10% function in my heart. So all this stuff was adding up. So it was 10 months of ruling with that and then the accident. And that, like the conversation we're having now, six, seven months after the con- after the accident, I could never have. I would stop mid-conversation and just gather my thoughts for like a minute and then start speaking again. So there was a lot of struggle with that. It was a lot of figuring out, okay, God, what, what do you got for me? What, you know, what are you looking for me to do? I started throwing the idea that, oh, okay, maybe God wants me in ministry. And then I started thinking, well, you know, maybe business is where I'm supposed to be at. So, you know, it just changed the way like we treated our staff and our employees. That was probably the biggest effect of it. At one point we had about 75 employees in our business up there. And it was starting to look at them more of how God would look at them and more of, okay, you know, being their, their father or their mother at work and, you know, look at how much time we all spend at work. So that's really where the, the focus started to go to with that. Then it was five years ago. You know, my wife has always wanted to move to Florida where I'm at now. Friends of mine had a business down here. You know, they came down to help them out with some stuff. And, you know, they offered me a job and said, we'd love for you to come work first. And we had our business up there. And one custom we got into was any big decisions we pray about. And then we let God tell us what to do. So my wife and I, we, we got back and, you know, we we're talking about it. And I said, well, you know, obviously one week before, so that's fine. I said, but let's pray about this and see what God wants us to do. So I, I had unfortunately made the stipulation. I said, okay, God, if this is what you want to happen. You need to remove these three hurdles before I have to be down there to work next week. What were the hurdles? So this was a, a Saturday night, my wife for talk. One of them was we had just re-upped our, our lease on our house and our landlords were fantastic people and we didn't want to leave them hanging. So we, you know, we told God, hey, bring somebody to take over that lease. The other thing was to somebody to run our business until we figured out what we were doing with it up there. And then the third thing was financial, provide us the financial means to get to Florida. And one of those things was there's, there was a bunch of lawsuits going on with the, the car accident. So it was, okay, well, let one of these settle. So that we had the funds to be able to make this move. And so one day, one of our employees came to us and said, Hey, I'm looking for a place to, to move to Duran. I love the house you're at. Do you know if your landlord has any other houses? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. I said, well, then you should bring that up. So that, that was Monday morning. And I remember this player's day. It's just, it was so shocking. Monday afternoon, we talked to all of our uh, production managers and our supervisors. And said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. We want to bring you guys in the loop about this. And one of them actually came up and he's like, hey, I'd really love to do this and buy the business from you. And we're like, okay, great. And that was number two. But we're like, okay, great. Let's do it this way. We're going to help you run it for six months. That way you absolutely make sure. Because our biggest thing was we didn't want to put him in a situation where 
Like he was overwhelmed by it. Sure. And, and again, being back to, to God and church, it was like, how would you want to be treated in this situation? And luckily he'd been involved with the business for about five years. So he knew a lot of stuff regarding it, but not like the ins and outs of it. So that was number two. And then Tuesday morning, I get a phone call from my attorney and he's like, hey, I just got off the phone with the insurance company. And he's like, and that one part of the lawsuit that we've been going back and forth for, I think probably eight months negotiating with them on and they refused to budge. They called up and settled that portion for the amount that we originally wanted. Okay. <laughs> so let me, let me pause here. So Saturday, you have this prayer. You throw out these three things before the Lord and said, if you can do these three things, that's clearly we're going to know that we should move to Florida. And then Monday, you have this gentleman say, I'd like to take over the lease on your house. Then you have a team meeting and one of the employees says, I'm going to go ahead and take over your business. And then the next day, Tuesday, your attorney calls you and said, yeah, we got settlement on this thing. We've been wrangling over for eight months. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, so then you said to your wife, well, I guess we're not supposed to move to Florida. Well, yeah, I came from Tuesday night and I was like, I'm like, well, I said, I got some news and she's like, what? And I was like, well, this happened this morning. And I was like, I guess I'm getting a car Friday driving to Florida. <laughs> so, and at that point, you know, we had looked for places down here. We hadn't looked for, for anywhere to live. So basically wound up driving down on a Friday afternoon and getting down here Sunday, starting work on Mondays, staying at a Airbnb for a couple of weeks and then a long-term hotel week stay for probably another three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my wife packed up the house in Pennsylvania, hired movers, got everything done. And then we finally found a place down here. Wow. So yeah, it was, it, it was quick. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, just you get what you pray for. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> because if God, God wants to make it happen, he's going to make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there was a shift here after you moved to Florida with respect to starting to get these dreams from the Lord about new business ideas. Yeah. So it was, it, it was interesting. I, I got to Florida. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, at the company I was working at, Every morning when I went in, I got in usually about a half hour to an hour before anybody else was in the office. And I just walked around the office and just, you know, prayed and said, God, let me bring peace to this house and let me be a servant to these men who are running this business and, you know, use me and how you want to use me there. So that was my daily ritual Monday through Friday when I was at work. So I was there not very long, actually. I think it was about a year and, and things were changing within the company, so on and so forth. And an opportunity came up for um, me to leave before uh, Christmas. They made an offer to pay us through the end of Christmas holiday or through January uh, if we didn't want to be there anymore. And I felt God calling me to something else. Mm-hmm. And I prayed about it, prayed about it. I said, you know, God, it, you know, I'd been praying about this since like October when things were starting to get difficult dealing with people. And I said, you know, God, give me the opportunity. If, if you want me out of here, you need to show me. And then come December, you know, uh, first week of December staff meeting and, you know, that was brought up and I was like, okay, that's God telling me that this is the opportunity. <laughs> so I went in and turned in my resignation and uh, wound up leaving there and honestly had no idea what I was going to do. After leaving, I just knew I couldn't be in that environment anymore. And so I'd gotten job offers, you know, I'd, luckily from being down here and being in the industry, I, I'd gotten to know a lot of people. And I'd gotten a bunch of job offers from companies to go work for them. I got an offer from somebody to start a business and they would totally fund it. There was an ethical issue with that because they wanted me to, to pursue customers of, of the company I just left. And I said, well, just because I left there doesn't mean I want, you know, ill will to happen to them. Yeah. I'm like, and I wasn't willing to do that. I wasn't willing to, to sacrifice my integrity just to have a business. So, you know, again, 
were prayed about, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to accept these job offers or accept one of these? And they were greater job offers. Mm -hmm. Financially, they were more than what I was making at this other company. So it was very enticing. And then Friday night, I got woken up at a dream, 2 a.m. And I'm journaling for probably about two and a half hours, about 18 pages of what the business would look like if we went back into business. 18 pages, Mike? Yeah, it's 18 pages long. Wow. (laughs) It was detailed what it would look like what we would charge, what the website would look like, what the logo would look like, just all of it. And I just sat up and just went out into the family room and just journaled for about three hours. Uh, And then my wife woke up and I said, this idea came to me last night. And that was my first, I think, real inkling of realizing that that was God talking to me. And it wasn't just some wacky dream I had. Were you seeking some kind of revelatory dream or was this something you just, the Lord just dropped on you to guide you in that moment? Basically, he dropped it on me and guided me on what he wanted me to do. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that, that was it, because my, my preference would have been to take a six-figure salary and work nine to five and not work out of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, and that was one of the, a couple of the offers I got were, you know, six figures with uh, full benefits, company vehicle, and basically no stress, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped this on me, and, you know, I spoke to my wife about it on Saturday, that Saturday afternoon. And I said, Hey, you know, I had this dream last night and, and this is what this looks like. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, you were praying for direction. She's like, I said, well, I said, I'm just not sure because she was very adamant about us not being self-employed again. I'm very adamant. <laughs> she was having some remorse from those past years, right? Yep. And, and that's exactly, you know, because when you're, when you're self-employed and you're not your board, you're not just, it's not just you, you're worried about. Yeah. So you have to worry about your paycheck and your income, but then you're worrying about all those families that work for you. And we've done that for years and, and she just didn't want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to church that Sunday and we prayed when we were at church and said, you know, God, if, if this is what you want us to do, bring me a partner with X amount of dollars, they'll handle, because I hated dealing with insurance companies and banks. And I was like, it would be willing to deal with those. But this dollar figure will tell me that this is really coming from you. And then Wednesday, a, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, you know, I was talking to the other guy because he was friends with the guy I used to work for. And he's like, I heard you left. He's like, what do you got going on? I said, well, you know, I said, I've got a couple of hirings in the fire. I said, but I had this dream Saturday. And he's like, well, you know, let's get coffee. So I went at coffee. And at the end of the meeting, he's like, hey, my, my wife and I really want to invest in kingdom businesses. And he's like, you know, we'd like to invest X amount of dollars into the, the business you're going to be starting. And it wanted to be the exact money amount that I was praying about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm seeing a pattern uh, here, Mike. Yeah. And, you know, it's a pattern I picked up on now that I just don't challenge God anymore. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want the answer, it's probably not going to be the answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking forward to, like I said, the nice steady paycheck and low stress and, you know, all that. And, and he had other plans. You know, what's fascinating to me, Mike, about your story is... This is the way God is orchestrating things in your life. You're just asking him. You're throwing out a fleece, as it were. You're just saying, hey, help me, guide me. And people listening to this might be going, well, God doesn't talk to me that way. He does it differently, which is great because all of us are individuals with respect to our relationship with him. What I'm loving is God is very uniquely speaking to you in the way that you two have a relationship. And I think that's one of the takeaways here is that he does it uniquely for each of us. So the question is to the listener, how is he doing that for you? I think he speaks to me in dreams because that's when my mind is less busy. 
and he knows he can get my attention very easily. So I just, I've gotten in the habit of just keeping a journal next to my bed with pen, knowing that, you know, he could wake me up at, you know, two, three in the morning and say, Hey, you know, I want you to go look at this. Yeah. Um, and, and that's honestly been the course of, you know, in the, in this business and other businesses we've gotten into where this has happened, where it's a prayer and, or it's not a prayer or it's a dream. And then he gives me a little crown and I'm a firm believer. And when God gives you that crown, he's not going to deliver everything to you on a silver platter and say, here you go, like stress free. <laughs> it's not the way it works. You know, he wants us to work for it. So he may plant that seed and it's our job to cultivate that seed and water that seed and see what comes to fruition from that seed. I go to Hebrews and it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. In other words, faith pleases God. So wouldn't a good father be forcing the faith issue in order to please him? Exactly. So you had another dream. Yeah. So after that, uh, you know, the, the biggest challenge with that was going back to my wife and tell her we're going to be self-employed. <laughs> How'd she respond to that? You know, she looked at me, she was in the kitchen, she slammed the pot down on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> lovingly. Turned her, yeah, lovingly, not lovingly. Like, you know, I was turned around and looked at me. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, well, what do you think we're going to do? She's like, God just told you that that's what we're doing. I'm not going against God. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that, there we go. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we started that business, you know, and even since, since starting that, it's always a, a big thing to prayer with, you know, situations. We've gotten some situations where we've had a cash crunch. A guy that's just come in and provided it. We had, with COVID hit, the first week of lockdowns, we lost about, almost $20,000 in business. Uh, and then within two weeks, God replaced it. A situation after situation, like uh, after that, about probably about two years ago, we started getting into a, mos mosquitoes are a big issue down here in Florida. Mm -hmm. They're probably a big issue everywhere. And they're big. Oh no. They're, yeah, they're big. Uh, I have the, I have the saying that, you know, everything in Florida is trying to kill you one way or another. <laughs> uh, whether it's, you know, gators or mosquitoes or ticks or whatever. Or hurricanes. Or yeah, or hurricanes. <laughs> Yep. We were looking at getting into that. And one of the premises of our business is not to use chemicals that we don't have to. So our traditional business, we, we do lawn spraying and we use either low toxicity or organic ways of fertilizing and weed control lawns. So when we got into the mosquito, that was one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to use a natural product because everybody's using a, a cocktail of three or four different chemicals. And then when you start reading the side effects of these chemicals, I was like, you know what? If I don't want this sprayed at my house, mm -hmm. I'm not going to spray that at somebody else's house. So, you know, was praying around that. We found an outfit out of North Carolina originally and then went out to California and we started using their products with, with a lot of success. And then we started getting into supply issues and, and you know, stuff not really working. And, and, you know, I was praying about it and it's, you know, God is, you know, it would be great for us to develop our own formula. And I said, it'd be great to actually be able to offer to homeowners an option for them to do it themselves. Because uh, a lot of people really can't afford that service. And, you know, they may not be able to afford it, or maybe they don't want to spend that that money on that and would like something they could do themselves. So within a week, again, I had a dream, got up and journaled basically of what a business would look like, an organic natural pest control that we could use ourselves for our business, but also sell direct to consumer. So that was on Saturday, overnight that night, I told my, my wife about it, that we we're talking about it. And then overnight into the next morning, when she woke up the next morning, she's like, Hey, I had a dream about what the website should look like. And it was, it was so awesome to see God bring her into the mix of it mm -hmm. and give her a piece of the puzzle, uh, that I needed to solve was just phenomenal. So I look at it this way is who am I? I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm not a chemist. 
And that's the way you really look at things. What business do I have being in this business, making up these formulas? And then over the next week, God just started giving me different products to use, different formulas. How did he give those to you, Mike? I remember this distinctively. One of the dreams I had that week was of cedar trees. And I was walking through a forest. So I started researching and I was like, okay. And it turns out that cedar wood is actually a very effective natural pest control product. So stuff like that. Another dream I had was about lemongrass. So I kept seeing lemongrass. You know, I was sitting in the backyard and I was seeing lemongrass, lemongrass, lemongrass. So I researched it by that. Lemongrass is another pest repellent. <laughs> That's incredible. It was phenomenal because literally it was like every night, one to two of the pieces of the puzzle. And again, it's one of those things where he planted the seeds. It was my job to water it. So then I started researching, okay, what concentrations do these products actually work? Because it's all percentages, basically, is what it can, comes down to. Okay, how much cedar wood, how much lemongrass, mm-hmm. how much, you know, cinnamon, how much clove oils and, and the different combinations. And it was basically, you know, experimenting with it and using it our regular business. So by the time we launched that, we had done somewhere in a range of about 900 applications with an over 90% success rate. And we try a formula, see how that worked for a week. And okay, let's tweak it this way a little bit. Didn't the state approach you because you're having such success, they thought you were using chemicals. They thought we were using chemicals, so we, we got one of those visits and one pointed out to them, no, we're not using it. We're not using chemicals. We're using, because you got to be very careful because a lot of places advertise stuff as natural or organic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, I just said to them, hey, there's an ingredients list. We, we have nothing to hide. We'll take a look at it. And when they saw it was basically essential oils and plant oils, they were like, oh, okay. So he wound up opening up doors to other places, connections we had made at, at Heaven in Business. Somebody from there had introduced me to uh, another person overseas who was dealing with a uh, ore issue, uh, tree board. And uh-huh. they are not allowed overseas in a lot of countries to spray any type of pesticide. So we started you know, sharing with them our research of regards to, hey, try this, try that. Uh, these are the organic problems we're, we're using. And it's still something that's ongoing. They take care of, I don't, I don't know how many millions of acres of forest land. So their their traditional method of, of dealing with the bug was when they detected it was to kill the tree, cut the tree down and remove it and remove every tree around, which is not cost effective. And, you know, you're damaging your, your key crop. So it opened up doors like that to us. I had a guy down in um, Dominican Republic reach out to me that he manages a bunch of properties down there and just so much stuff that it basically was from a God tree. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a, a broad spectrum product you can use. <laughs> I'm laughing because, first of all, I'm amazed. And secondly, I love how the Lord is so vitally involved and wants to be in all these details. It's partnership is what you're describing. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. You know, as entrepreneurs, we get this attitude of go, 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 grind, 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 you know, and hey, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You know, you're you're talking about the God of the universe who has all the knowledge. And it's like, hey, he's my partner in this. This is his business. I'm his steward. Let me ask him for the solutions. Yeah. Rather than me trying to figure this out all on my own. And and we ran into that with our lawn care business. So here we have a nitrogen ban in the summer. We're not allowed to put that nitrogen down, which is very detrimental to grass and shrubs and everything like that. So, you know, I was was praying again and I was like, you know, God, what's, what's the solution that we can still keep this green color so a lot of folks down here will use really cheap products just to get a quick green up and keep the grass green during the summer, but it's not nutritionally valuable and it runs off. And, you know, we live on the water and everything winds up in the water. So, um, I had a dream about this product and I, to this day, I have to pronounce it, start with an A and I remember seeing my dream and I wrote it down in my journal and then woke up the next morning and, and looked at it, started researching it. And it turned out to be a type of algae that some companies, uh, 
chemical companies, product companies were actually developing as a replacement for nitrogen. Couldn't even pronounce it. And God gave I, you the name of it in a dream. Yeah. And to this day, I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he gave me basically the, the front half of the name. So I got up and, and, you know, went to Google and started Googling it and found it, tracked down the supplier and had him ship some of it to us. And the color response from the grass, we got so many compliments from customers are like, oh, my grass has never been greener. To the point that we got a visit from the county because they thought we were putting nitrogen down. What <laughs> <laughs> one of our competitors reported us and said we we're applying nitrogen and the county came by and I'm like, no, we don't have any nitrogen. This is what we, you know, this is what we're using. You know, and I showed it to him and they're like, Oh yeah, that's not a nitrogen product. I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Well, so you know, he's like, You are allowed to use a little bit of nitrogen. He's like, under one percent. I said, Well, why would I do that when I have this? Yeah. He's like, good point. So yeah, God wants to be involved in everything we do. That's a perfect example of that. You know, everybody thinks, oh, well, God doesn't want to bother with my little problems. And yeah, he does. And here it is, you know, three years later, we're still using that product. And we have not found anything better than that out there that replaces the color that we lose from not having nitrogen in the summer months. What's the name of your business, Mike? So our main business is Be Green Lawn Care. Be Green Lawn Care. Lawn Care. Okay. Yep. And then our direct-to-consumer is called uh, Bug Magic. Bug magic. Are there web addresses associated with those two? Yep. Okay. What are they? Uh, so for B Green, it's B Green L C Larry Charlie.com. So B E E G R E E N L C dot com. Okay. Yep. And the uh, bug magic is C S E E the bug magic dot com. All right. How can people get in touch with you on social media? Um, so social media, my Instagram is Mike at six seven four on Instagram. That's also uh Good place to get a hold of me is through that through messages. My email is mikef674 at gmail.com. Okay. And then also both those companies, the addresses I gave you, the emails, or the web addresses, that's actually the Instagram handles for them as well. As we finish up here, Mike, would you please pray for our listeners? Sure. Father God, I just, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what Brian is doing, Father. I ask this message that you've used me through gets to those others that need it. Father, there, there are, I'm sure, people struggling, wanting to hear you, wanting to know what your plans are and, and what direction you have for them, Father. And I just hope this message encourages them to seek you for not just the big things, Father, but just the little things and to realize that you're a good father. You're always there. I am a proof and example of that and that you always want the best for us and that you want to partner with us in all parts of our life, not just our, our personal lives, but our business lives. Well, all the struggles that we go through, Father, that you want to be there with us and help us through them, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike, the dreamer. <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.